Our first reading for this, the fifth Sunday of Easter, comes from the eighth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, beginning at the 26th verse. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they had come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Christ has risen from the dead. He has given him dominion over the works of his hands. The epistle reading comes from the first letter of St. John, the fourth chapter. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, 
If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. And the Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. John, the 15th chapter. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus says... I am the vine, you are the branches. And once there was a branch, a branch that honestly thought he was part of the vine. Its name was even written down in a book in a church office somewhere, attesting to the fact that it was officially, technically, a branch. The branch was very busy, had a lot going on in its life, and found it very inconvenient to get back to the vine. It would stop in occasionally, mostly on Christmas, Easter, and super special occasions like another branch's baptism, wedding, or funeral, but it really didn't feel much of a need for anything more than that. How well do you think that branch is going to do? How good will that branch's fruit be? Well, the answer, of course, is not good at all. Separated from the vine, a branch cannot produce fruit. It cannot even live. 
severed from the vine, just touching base with it every now and then, the branch is going to dry up and die. And sadly, as Jesus tells us, it will be cast into the fire. This is the Christian who is Christian in name only. The sinner who has no time for Jesus, wants that kind of community connection and maybe the insurance policy of Jesus, barely knows anything about Jesus, is living totally separately from the vine. Their life might look full and alive. They may even be really, really nice. But as Jesus says so clearly, without him, they can do nothing. And they have nothing. Nothing that will last. Without that connection to the vine, receiving the vine's nourishment and life more than just a couple obligatory times a year, the branch withers and dies. Maybe not physically, because we all know plenty of people who have nothing to do with Jesus that are healthy and wealthy and seem to be doing just fine. But spiritually, they are shriveled and dead, producing no fruit, suitable only to be burned with all the other dead branches. Jesus does not say, I am the vine. Check in with me every now and then, please. No. He says, abide in me. And what does it mean to abide? It means to stay, to remain with. When we sing the hymn, Abide With Me, we are asking God not to poke his head in from time to time, but to remain with us always, even to the very end of our life. And Jesus tells us, to do the same with him. As branches, we are to abide in the vine, remain in his word, not just come in every now and then. Here in church, we are nourished by the vine. Here Jesus waters us with the eternal waters of baptism. He nourishes us with his own body and blood. He fills us with the forgiving power of his holy word. Here we gather to give thanks to God, but more important than that, we gather to receive from him so much more than we could possibly give. Church isn't actually about giving. It's not about us getting together to give God something that he needs. Church is about getting. It's about abiding in Jesus. It's about being strengthened in that connection with him. It's about being nourished and cleansed and filled with his holy presence, hearing of the great sacrifice that he gave upon the cross to save our sinful, wretched souls from the fires of hell. Not just when it's a convenient, because a branch that receives nourishment when it's convenient isn't going to last very long. But we are here constantly, making it a priority, realizing that Jesus alone can give us what we need and that in him alone do we have life. Without him, we are nothing, and we are completely unable to bear fruit, unable even to live. And so what a blessing it is that here, each and every week, we are able to be fed. That we as branches can be nourished, can know that connection that we have to the vine. But before we dislocate our shoulders trying to pat ourselves on the back for being here more often than our neighbor, let's understand something. A branch that comes to the vine two or three times a year, it's bound to dry up and die before too long. But so is a branch that is connected to the vine 
just once a week as well. Church is important because here is where we receive God's word and sacraments. Here is where we hear his gracious forgiveness. But do we sever that connection once we leave this building? In the average week, there are 168 hours. And that actually is a pretty consistent average. I'd like you to try something for me this week. If you have a plant or a tree at home, I'd like you to cut off a branch of it and leave it on the ground for the entire week. And then on Sunday morning, tape it back on for a couple of hours while you're at church or Sunday school and Bible study. And then once you get home, pop it off again. Lay it back down on the ground. Tell me how that branch looks after even a couple of weeks. I will warn you, though, if you do this, please make sure that it's a plant that you don't care about because it is not going to be pretty. If we think that Sunday morning is all that it takes to be a good, well-connected branch, if we think that a couple of hours a week is truly abiding in Jesus just because it's more than some other people do, well, we are dead wrong and possibly even dead branches. To abide doesn't mean to just check in a few times a year, but it also doesn't mean just to check in a few hours a week. To abide is to remain, to be constantly connected, to never separate yourself from the vine. Some of you have asked recently why the baptismal font has been sitting here for the last few months when we haven't had a baptism. It's not being used. It obstructs the view of the altar, and we're pretty sure that I'm going to run into it one of these Sundays and knock it over. But it's there as a reminder of the constant nourishment that we receive in the waters of baptism. It's there to remind us of how Jesus Christ is always with us, always providing through that gift that he gave to us. It's there as a visual proclamation that we are only able to approach the presence of God represented by the altar, by the grace of God, the constant washing of regeneration that he's given to us. Your baptism, it wasn't just a one-time thing in the past and now it's just history. It is a constant cleansing and renewing and nourishing every day, just as the continual grace of Jesus Christ is. We need the spiritual nourishment of the vine every minute of our lives. Jesus isn't just about a little boost on Sunday mornings and then we kind of float along on our own throughout the rest of the week doing our thing. Jesus says to abide in him, to be in his word, in his grace, in his forgiveness at all times. And that seems pretty hard. Because our lives are awfully busy. We've got places to go, things to do, people to see. We've got work and school and family and hobbies and doctor's appointments and car repairs and haircuts to get to and in-laws to visit and all sorts of other things. How in the world can we still do all that stuff and find time for God's word? Well, the same way that you can do all of those things and still find time to breathe. To abide in Jesus doesn't just mean reading the Bible, although that's certainly a major part of it. To abide in Jesus is to live your life in faith, never losing that connection to the vine, keeping God not just as an occasional part of your week every now and then, but at the very heart of everything that you do. We remember our baptism daily. We celebrate our forgiveness 
constantly. We pray to God without ceasing. We live out our faith, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ in everything that we do. Everything we do, however big or small, those extraordinary challenges in our lives and the mundane little routines, we do it all by His strength and to His glory, bearing good fruit in our lives. Not to prove that we're really part of the vine, not to earn it. The apple branch doesn't say, oh wow, I better make an apple today to prove how apple I really am. Neither do we as Christians say, well, I guess it's time to do something Christian. Just like the healthy branch naturally produces the proper kind of fruit, our good deeds flow from our faith naturally, as the love of God flows through us into the world around us. By God's grace, our lives become a constant witness of his glory and love. We help our neighbor, neighbor rather than taking advantage of them. We share the full word of God rather than reveling in sin and bowing to the ways of the world. We stand up to oppression and violence and satanic lies rather than sit back in silence. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just when there's a rally, not just when it's convenient, but constantly abiding in the vine, living our lives 24-7 for Jesus Christ. And in this world, that's not an easy thing to do. The world hates the vine. It sees it as a threat. And it will do anything it can to try to separate us from Jesus. We will be ridiculed and hated and derided. Our faith and our morals will be laughed at and belittled in so many ways. We will be told that if we want to keep our jobs, our friends, our money, our freedom, well then we need to shut up about Jesus and keep our faith to ourselves. We will hear those threats, those lures, and we will be sorely tempted to pull away from the vine, to give in to the ways of the world because they look so much easier, sound so much more fun, and they promise us so, so much. But to do that is to wither away, to die, to be cast into the fires of hell. The world has nothing to offer, no life, no peace, no joy, nothing but empty, hollow lies, shame, degradation, and death. But Jesus Christ, the true vine, gives us life, gives us strength, gives us forgiveness and grace and joy and everything that we truly need, and he gives it to us freely and richly and constantly. He nourishes us with his own body and blood, giving us all that he has and all that he is. He prunes us, even though we don't like it, cutting out and trimming those fruitless parts of our lives that are empty and worthless and harmful, disciplining us to keep us from rampant sin, helping us to grow straight and strong amid all the storms and ravages of this world. We abide in him constantly. Because he is our only source of strength and life. And our great joy is that he abides in us. As branches, we aren't strong enough to cling to Jesus. And so he clings to us. And he will not let us go. It's not about what we can do for Jesus. It's about what he constantly does for us. He is always with us, loving us when we are unlovable. 
abiding in us when we seek to abandon him, forgiving us when we do the unforgivable. He is not even just our source of strength and life here on earth. He is our Savior who has given us life eternal. Abiding in Jesus, it's not some great chore that we have to suffer through for all of our lives. It is a great joy, a constant blessing, our only source of peace and real hope in this world of death and disappointment as we realize what Jesus has done to make us his own. Jesus Christ, true God, who took on our flesh, suffered and died upon the cross to take away the guilt of your sin. He rose again from the grave to give you eternal victory over sin, death, and the devil. He is with you always, even to the ends of the age, not just as a cheerleader or a coach, but as your Savior, as your Redeemer, your merciful Lord and Master. He is the vine, giving you everything you need, anchoring you in the storms of this world, giving you all that he has and all that he is. Abide in me and I in you, declares our Lord Jesus Christ. Live your life in him. Not just a couple times a year, not just a few hours a week, but always walking in his ways, living by his word, keeping your faith present and active and central in everything that you do in your life. Live your faith. Proclaim your faith. Eat, sleep, and breathe your faith. Vote your faith. Speak your faith. Drive your faith. Be your Christian faith. Bear good fruit by God's power, abiding in Jesus Christ at all times. And know this. It's not just about what you do. In fact, by yourself, you can do nothing. But God has done it all for you. He has died to forgive you of your sins. He has risen again to give you eternal life. And he is with you always, giving you life and strength and forgiveness at all times. He is the vine. We are the branches. Separated from him, we have nothing and we are nothing, but abiding in him, rejoicing that he is with us always, living our lives always in his love and forgiveness, we flourish, even when under assault by this evil world. And when our time on this earth is over, we know that we will not be cast into the fire as we deserve by our sin. Instead, we will be taken to his eternal paradise, carried in his loving arms, to our perfect heavenly home. Not because we did such a great job bearing fruit for him, but because he has given us life and because he abides in us. We are the branches. He is the vine. And by his grace, we abide in him here on earth and forevermore in heaven. Not by the fruit that we might manage to produce, not by the deeds that we might do in his name, but simply because he has given us the free and undeserved gift of his love and salvation. For by his cross alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.